you absolutely ruined my day with your series today because it hits so close to home. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) I just, between me and my friends that have tried to make it in the business, it just, it, it was like, it was all too real while still being funny and man, it makes me so glad that I, that I got out of the game. (laughs) (laughs) See, serving all kinds of purposes. Exactly. That reminder of why you stopped doing that thing. You're like, yeah, I feel good about that decision. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, man, how many times can I get typecast as the heavy bald bouncer man in the background? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I watched it all today and I was just like, Ooh, this is gonna this is gonna make a lot of people wonder why they're still doing what they're doing. <laughs> and I'm guessing a lot of this comes from the heart. A lot of this is probably stuff that you've experienced firsthand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's in most cases like slightly toned down versions of my own experiences. Um, that it was really kind of funny to like put together a list of everything when we were making the show, like everything I I've been through and like everything that you kind of repress you know, so you can have a little bit of self-esteem and try to feel good about yourself. And then when I was like trudging them all up and putting them all on paper, it was like, oh, wow, (laughs) there's a lot there. (laughs) Especially when you, when you, your character was turned down for the audition because you came in too real and too gritty. It's like, isn't that what you want for that role? Oh my gosh, I know. That's just, that's so how it goes though, right? It's like conflicting messages or what they mean is like real and raw for TV, which means you still have to be really pretty like while you're being real and raw, even though. (laughs) You still need to be an Instagram model, but still be slightly sad. Exactly. I have this running joke where I, every time I get an audition or a script, really a pilot script, uh, and they're introducing characters with the description, every single female character, like under the age of 65, because apparently once you're 65, then you're no longer able to be a love interest or sex object, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) But every character under 65 has some synonym for the world, the word attractive in there. You know, it's beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. It's attractive. It's stunning. It's girl next door pretty. It's whatever. Like all the female characters always will have some descriptor for attractive. And then the guy is like, charming, intelligent, brazen, you know? And it's like, really? Gone. <laughs> Double standards. Even in the scripts, baby. Even in the scripts. So what what made you want to make this series? I mean, is it catharsism or something else? Yeah, it was a combination of factors. Um, so me and my writing partner, Eric, we've been working on a lot of scripts. Um, you know, at various stages with things like that. And we really kind of wanted to create something that we could produce ourselves and see through to the end process and really have that sense of completion with and then like set it out into the world and share it with people. Um, So obviously web is a great way to do that, a great avenue to do that. You also have a lot of like flexibility with your storytelling, which is fun. Um, Little bite-sized chunks that made it accessible to people. So Mm -hmm. we kind of had the format in mind for those reasons. And then as far as the subject matter, we just thought it was really kind of fun and funny. And obviously he'd been hearing about my own crazy stories um, for years. And we just kind of tossed around some ideas and we liked the idea of her having had a, a taste of success and then kind of being deemed the villain for the movie and the franchise flopping, even though obviously she's just one small piece of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's almost worse. It's almost worse to be like a has-been, you know, than it is to be somebody who hasn't made it yet in some ways. So we kind of liked that idea. Uh, and we, we thought that like, it was interesting that there's so many things about Hollywood and acting, obviously that you see all the time, but I feel like most of them pursue it from this kind of glamorous angle where it's very much, um, 
it's very much people, you know, trying to make it and it's glamorous and everything's great and sexy and fun and isn't very, really real, you know? So we kind of, we were very cognizant of wanting to make it raw and real while still being hopefully funny uh, and relatable, even to people who aren't in the industry. So yeah, that's kind of where it all came from. Uh, the, the scene where the, uh, I guess I don't, I think it was the casting director of the, the, the very overbearing woman that, that gives you a teardown. Have you gone through oh, yes. that, that actual interaction before while auditioning? Um, yeah, so that was actually like a meeting with an agency in, in the Ooh. series and in my life as well. And yeah, it, it that pretty much exact conversation happened to me in so many ways. Um, yes. And yes. <laughs> Good time. So the way it happened for me was that um, this agent was like courting me and I went in to meet with him and everything went really great. And then I was deciding between that place and another place. And he was like, well, come back in to meet my partner because I, I, you know, I wasn't like signing with them yet. And so I was like, great. So it was really uh, jarring because he was kind of making it, the partner seem like a selling point. You know, come mm-hmm. back in to meet her. Like, you're going to want to sign with us. And then that's who the partner was. And that's how the meeting with the partner went. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then he just said nothing the entire meeting. Like, <laughs> just looking down, you know, eyes downcast and trying to pretend like he couldn't see me. So, yeah, I really did have an experience very similar to that. Um, wow. Which was very interesting, to say the least. <laughs> Uh, I sat in on a um, on an acting class uh, a couple years ago because uh, my friends were at it, and I was I was just going because I wanted to ask the um, uh, the teacher a couple questions, and yeah. just listening to how she just insulted her students based on their immutable qualities. I mean, you can't help that you that you're tall or short or uh, maybe yep. big big boned or whatever. Like she's just ripping yep. into them about these things they can't change without extreme. Uh, cosmetic surgery and I thought why are you all paying for this fucking shit <laughs> oh without a doubt there's so many acting teachers like that like that would rather just insult you and make you cry than, than make you a better actor and most of them are failed actors of course and it's, it's such a weird <laughs> dynamic I remember I did this thing through SAG actually through the union one time where it was like to help you like kind of uh, zero in on your branding and how people are perceiving you mm-hmm. uh, to make it easier for like, you know, headshots and all that kind of jazz. And you, the, the exercise was for you to sit in the, in the middle of a circle in a chair while everyone just shouted adjectives at you or like types at you. And it was horrifying. I mean, cause it was very much kind of like what you described, which is like people like slang and insults or like stereotypes or whatever at you. And it was like, Oh my God. <laughs> And that was the last thing that I went to. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to take advantage of these uh, lovely educational opportunities uh, right now. I think I'm good. Um, yeah, but there's just, it's, it's, it's a weird industry, right? Because so much of it, it or, or a piece of it at least, is how you look and your type. And, and we're able to be judged on that where that's totally inappropriate in pretty much every other industry, right? There's no, you know, there's, you can't be discriminated by your sex and your race and you're not get, getting a job because you're too tall or too short or whatever. So it's re- really unique in that way that so much of it comes into play and people just kind of lose sight of basic human decency sometimes mm-hmm. and the way that we mm-hmm. treat each other, which is, yeah, definitely a pervasive theme, you know? <laughs> uh, when I got cast in something with my wife and mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason they, they cast us at all is because when the, the production assistant came over uh, to do some do some test video with us he he liked me because i'm inadvertently goofy even though like i have yeah. a very strong and uh menacing physique there's just something about like just when i'm being natural in my home it's just goofy and he was like we can sell you as goofy and dumb i was like okay <laughs> and then your wife can just come <laughs> along i was like okay <laughs> it was for reality television i was like oh 
I just made myself look stupid in front of fucking millions of people just right. because it was I just wanted to be in the industry. Like, right, right, and, that's, and because that's somebody's like random two second take on you, right? Yeah. Like, oh, perfect, you're the goofy dumb guy, go, you know, and, and then that's like what you get typecast as, like forevermore or whatever, at least for a chunk of time. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's that was it. <laughs> I was just, I'm done, I'm, I'm out. I'll just go back to, I'll just go back to being a journalist. Right. <laughs> you're like, I'll take my rejection in the form of writing instead of face to face criticisms and insults. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> um. The filming for this, since it since it is kind of a micro series, uh, did you do everything back to back, or did you kind of span this out over uh, over several months? No, we did everything back to back. So I think we had eight wow. or nine days of filming. Yeah, um, <laughs> and we had um, amazing locations that a lot of my friends were were generous enough to donate to us, and so we were really lucky in that way. But yeah, we basically filmed it, you know, like a two TV series, really, just back to back to back, um, and pumped it out. Uh, what was the most rewarding thing about this whole experience for you? I definitely think stepping into the writing and producing and directing side, uh, mm-hmm. what's, what's amazing about that is just the amount of control and autonomy you have. Because as you well know, since you were in this industry, you, there's so much of what you do as an actor where you just feel so incredibly powerless. Because yeah. so little of it is up to you. You know, everything from like what they're looking for to whether or not you get the audition to whether or not you get the part to the quality of the project when it's all said and done to whether or not you get cut out. Like so many of these things have nothing to do with you and nothing to do with your performance or your talent or your work ethic or anything like that. So it's really easy to kind of feel defeated and powerless and bleh about that whole thing. So mm-hmm. it's really been satisfying to step into the other side of things and really have control over both how I'm seen and what I say and the role I'm giving myself and also how I treat people, you know, the sets that I create, the environment I create. It was really amazing to create an awesome cast and crew and like gather us all together and really have like the joy of why we do this because you got to love it or you do something else. You know what I mean? You have to love it. So that joy was like so present on the set. We had such an amazingly good time. It's been really gratifying to treat people with respect and really create that environment on my set that I wish was there all the time for me and like do the little nice thoughtful things I wish were done for me as an actor. So that's been really gratifying and really rewarding. Uh, since you did did get your time behind the camera, did you see yourself viewing actors differently, more as as tools than people, or more than more than people than tools? Or how did uh, what was your outcome of that? Yeah, I think the great thing about this is that the the more you're able to learn about this industry, about all the various components and positions that go into it, the better it makes you at whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. You just kind of become a, a, a more compassionate, a more knowledgeable collaborator, which is fantastic. So like uh, directing makes me a better writer and acting makes me a better director and all that stuff. And so being an actor and having an acting background really helps when working with actors because I know firsthand exactly what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also been really fantastic to be on the other side of casting and all those adages you hear casting say about the things that are annoying or why they don't work or this, that, and the other, that you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. But then when you're seeing it firsthand, you're like, Oh, I totally understand that from a different perspective now, why that's important or why that bugs people or whatever the case may be. So it can be a really educational experience as an actor to, to cast a project. I, I definitely recommend people do that because it is really a good learning process. Um, so I definitely think having that acting background just helps me in all kinds of ways. And then the more that I learn about the other things, the better an actor it makes me. Do you feel like you're going to continue acting as your main pursuit, or do you feel like you're going to start becoming more of that the, the filmmaker type? Yeah, I've kind of been, you 
know, doing both for the past few years, so I definitely think I'll continue to do both and see what mm-hmm. opportunities arise. I think my ultimate goal, you know, would be to have be a writer creator, you know, to have my own show somewhere to, you know, be on FX or HBO. Um, as, as a writer creator star, that would be my ultimate dream. But yeah, I'm totally open to seeing where things go in, in many uh, in many different ways. It's nice to have multiple things that you're juggling because there's more opportunities available to you. So yeah, not planning on stopping anything for the moment. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Do you feel that the studio model is still going to be uh, the biggest component for filmmakers and actors going forward? Or do you feel that uh, social media and YouTube and uh, uh, Venmo and stuff are going to be are going to start becoming the more dominant? I think the studio model is going to remain dominant because it is it is where the money, the big money, the big projects mm-hmm. are going to lie. However, I think that what's really great about the time we live in right now is that there are other avenues to get your work out there and to get your stuff seen and to just be able to take control and do something on your own. So, and in that, you know, with having done that, there's multiple shows that have started on the web that have gone to, to Comedy Central, to HBO. I mean, Insecure started as a web series, uh, High, High Maintenance started as a web series, Broad City started as a web series. So there's definitely an avenue and opportunity for some great to come of that and rather than waiting for someone to say yes and you know auditioning for hot girl number 17 18 times in a week um it's a way to take a little bit more control and do something a little bit more proactive so i think the great thing is that there is an avenue there's still there's still gatekeepers there's still obstacles obviously you still have to get your work into the right hands and get the right people to see it and i still think that studio model is going to remain i don't think it's going anywhere but it's nice that we do have these alternative ways to try to you know try to break in and get get through now which is really nice uh, if you if you don't mind telling me, uh, what was yeah. what was the what was the best audition you think you ever had, where everything just felt right, but you still somehow just didn't get it? Oh, there's so many like that, um, and usually <laughs> it's because usually it's because okay, well, what happens in this world, uh, especially if, during pilot season, is. Um, Pilots, they're, they're just trying to get names in those roles, right? And so they have mm-hmm. a short list of stars that they're reaching out to for the roles. But the stars don't audition. They're, they're offer only. So what happens is you become the – if you're an actor that the casting knows and they trust and they know you come in prepared and you do solid work and they like you, they bring you in just to see somebody do it mm-hmm. who's going to do it well. Mm-hmm. But, like, you never really have a chance, if that makes sense. You know, you might have a tiny, tiny, tiny chance, but chances are they're going to give it to a name no matter what. So that happens a lot. So, like, you kind of know when you're going in that you're just going in for the off chance, whatever, or maybe they're going to put you in a a smaller supporting role for something else or just to, you know, maintain that relationship with casting. But that happens a ton. So there's been pilots that I'm like, oh, I would kill for this role, but, you know, it obviously ends up going to a name. Um, I knew that was probably going to happen anyway, but at least it's fun to, to audition for it. The thing that sucks is, like, when you have really unique moments that you carve out and then you see the person who books it with taking those moments and you're like oh because that happens in casting i mean i've even been guilty on the other side of of giving those notes to people and you're like oh that thing that they did that was great and so they take your stuff and give it to somebody else uh so that can be a bummer for sure (laughs) i i don't know how you deal with it on a on a psychological level the the competitiveness and the cutthroat pace that that the industry has do you have a special way that you deal with it it is challenging. I mean, that is one of the hardest things about this, for sure. Um, so I think the way that I've dealt with it is to, to shift my energies or, or to have multiple things going on so that any one audition is not so precious to me, right? So mm-hmm. that I, I can focus my energies on something else. So that's where, like, writing and producing has been a great thing because I'm able to control that. I'm able to, like, go into something where I can sit down and write and do something and put my energy into something productive that's going to have actual gratification. Because it's really, it's really 
easy to have every audition feel like this big, amazing thing. Oh my God, if I could just <laughs> break through with that. And that's so much pressure for yourself. You're not bringing yourself up to do good work. So it's, I know it's really, it's definitely easier said than done. But I think as, as much as possible, if you can have other things in your life that are really important to you that you can put your energy into so that any one opportunity doesn't feel so precious. Uh, how do you go about uh, improving yourself, uh, both uh, as as someone that's going to be a filmmaker and and an actor? How do you balance? Like, do I do I continue to go to these classes, or do I do I start looking into filmmaking styles through books or whatever? Uh, how do you how do you uh, improve yourself? Yeah, I think both of those things are hugely important. I think classes, I've, you know, I've taken both acting and writing classes um, and finding teachers that, that you like and that resonate with you. It's a very personal thing. So I think there's a mistake that a lot of people make where they're going to whoever the big name is that everyone wants to see on their resume in that moment that's hot <laughs> and trendy. But it's much more important to find somebody that's actually going to help you grow and stretch and improve as an artist, you know, whether it's as a writer or an actor or whatever you're doing. So I think that's a really personal decision. And when you find those people that you click with that are really helping you, I think it's, it's great to stay. I treat class like the gym for me it's like just staying in shape right because everything's a muscle so use mm -hmm. it or lose it so I, I treat it like a gym to stay in shape and as far as um trying to grow and improve I'm, I'm just a student I'm a lifelong student so I'm always watching reading learning studying you know even when I'm watching entertainment myself just as a viewer watching entertainment I'm still studying everything you know I'm studying the shots I'm studying who directed it I'm studying the acting performances and I'm studying all kinds of stuff uh, and that doesn't diminish my enjoyment of it if anything it makes me appreciate all the little things that maybe I would never notice before mm -hmm. so I think being a student and always being a student and always trying to grow and learn because there's always so many things to, to improve upon, so much to learn. So how do you think uh, Hollywood is going to change after the whole lockdown and everything? Because I know there's a lot of people that have probably uh, gotten discouraged and left, but at the same time, there's probably going to be a lot more people that surge in trying to follow their dream. How do you think this, is all, this whole pandemic is going to affect um, – the whole environment of the entertainment industry. Yeah, the million dollar question, right? It remains to be seen. I mean, there's so many things floating around right now. It could go so many different ways. So I think you're right. I think one thing that's definitely going to stick around for at least the foreseeable future is self-tapes instead of in-person auditions. Mm -hmm. Self-tapes are already super standard in the Southeast market because they're covering a large area. So um, that market is, is like ahead of the game. They, that's how they cast everything. But you're going to see a lot more self-tapes in New York and LA as well because it's just, going to be easier and then they're going to fall into the habit of doing it and obviously we can't have in-person casting for right now so I think that that's going to be something that sticks around for sure which is good and bad you know because it's going to open it up to way more people but then more competition so it's good and bad um as far as how the industry like the actual what the filming is going to look like itself I mean I have no idea I've seen so many weird things thrown around you know as far as like having plastic plastic shields up between actors like during, until the last moment and like I don't know I'm really hoping that those kinds of things are not going to be in effect. I feel like there's a better way to handle that. I'm not sure I'm, I have exactly what it is, but I don't know. Hopefully it won't be something that's too cumbersome in terms of like actors being able to <laughs> connect with each other and give a performance. You know what I mean? Like hopefully we can find ways around that. Um, I'm also hoping that it's not going to be the end of like your average working actor in terms of a lot of these things they're talking about, just eliminating your supporting roles, like eliminating the small roles on film and eliminating the, the, the guest stars and your co-stars on TV to try to keep the cast small. Um, so that would be a bummer for sure, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see. I think in any great crisis, you know, there's also innovation that happens. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, hopefully we will have some good things coming out of this as well. Um, 
but yeah, to answer your question, it's a really long way to say I have no idea. No one does, unfortunately. <laughs> every every actor is going to be in a green screen booth just recording their parts, and then it's just all going to be just put together at the end. <laughs> right? I mean, seriously. I, it, it, everything's going to start looking like a Tim and Eric sketch. Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. Yep. I would like love to see a big budget movie just filmed that way, just because they had to. They they had to get it out that year. They were tied to whatever market they were trying to to sell it to, right? and they and just like, rush it out. It, we're making this work, yeah. Come hell or high water, and that's what they come up with. I know it's funny. I mean, there was an episode of um, I think it's a CBS show called uh, All Rise that did like mm-hmm. a Zoom a Zoom episode, which was interesting. I checked that out. Um, so I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to watch like all of their TV that way. Um, but I applaud <laughs> no. them for you know, doing some. Yeah, right. But I applaud them for doing something interesting and making something happen and trying things. So I think that there'll be experimentation for sure because everyone's just going to try to see what what works and what doesn't, and it's going to be a lot of trial and error. Uh, as far as the series goes, are you going to be doing a second season sometime after all this is finally over? Post COVID. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the million dollar question. We are totally open to doing it. We created this kind of just to serve as a calling card for us and uh, an example of our POV and our style and whatever and to get it out there and see what happens. So I don't think it's something that we would self-fund again or do another Kickstarter or whatever for. I think it's, it's something that if somebody wanted to throw us some money, we'd be like, yes, we will do this. Um, we also have, you know, are open to adapting it to a half hour. So yeah, we'll see. We, 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 would, mm-hmm. I have, we have so many... We actually have um, episodes that we wrote that we weren't able to film just because of budgetary reasons for the first season. So, and we have so many ideas for Grace. I mean, there's so many places you can go. So, um, we definitely would be open to doing a second season if circumstances were, you know, if it if it aligned, if the stars aligned and everything worked out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my last question um, for those up and coming actors or those people that are looking to get into the industry, what would be? Let's just take COVID out of it. Just completely forget it happened. Uh, what would be your uh, your words of wisdom to those people that want to break in? Yeah, so I think I think you have to be committed. I mean, you have to love it and know that you want to pursue it and know that it's not going to be easy. There's going to be lots of challenges. And then I just think you have to do your research as much as you can and control the things that you can control. There's so many things you can't control, but you can control your own work ethic, the the t- amount of time and energy you're putting into it. You know, you can control whether or not you're in class, whether or not your materials are up to date and your headshots are good and your website is looking nice. You can control the things you can. And I think that that's, that's the best advice I can give. I know that's really unsexy advice, but um, <laughs> I think people all often come and they get caught up in like the yeah I'm just gonna be a star and they expect things to happen and they're not really doing anything and so I think there's there's definitely value in like doing those tedious things and and taking care of of the really basic stuff to make sure that when opportunities arise you're ready and you're good uh is the series only available on uh on Vimeo or is it or is it on um other platforms as well Oh yeah, so it's on YouTube, it's on Vimeo, okay. it's on Amazon Prime. It's um yeah, that's I think that's where it, those three for now. Yep. So when when people go to search for it, should they just search by the name, or do you have a specific channel that that would that yeah, you want so to drive people to? Yeah, they can they can totally search by the name and it'll come up. But yeah, probably YouTube would be the best. So it's just um, YouTube.com. It, it's a weird. It's the way they do their custom channels is kind of weird. So it's YouTube.com backslash C backslash disgrace the series. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much, Victoria. I was I was looking yeah. forward to this ever since I watched it earlier today and it Yay! got depressed, but then also laughed. <laughs> good, good. Exactly. That's what we're going for. Make you depressed, but also laugh. Yeah. 
also makes you laugh, and then you know, cycle all the way through, right? That's yeah, just, yeah, you're just pulling the knife out inch by inch. It's like, ah, oh, man, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna like use that somewhere. I called him out today, and he said, "You ruined my day. Your show ruined my day." I love it. Good times. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I look forward to seeing, I, I really would like to see a second season, even if it's, it's just in those four or five minute chunks. There's just, yeah. you pack, you pack so much into each one that when I reached the end, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. That's all. I know. I, that was the feedback we've gotten the most, most common. It's like, well, we want more, right? They're so short. Give us more. And I'm like, you guys, I would love to give you more. <laughs> like but these things cost money. Right, exactly. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, we really tried to make them, you know, pack as much as we could and and keep it interesting and be creative with it. So yeah, we tried our best. Yep, you you, you did a great job. I I really thank appreciate you. I really appreciate it and thank thank you again and I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. <laughs> thank you. You have a good evening. You too. Thanks. Bye.